If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. It was then that I was exposed to an augmented reality experience, and I thought, this changes everything. And literally the next day, I am meeting with teachers and showing them an AR app at the time and saying, this could be in any subject. Author, speaker, and EdTech consultant Jamie Donnelly is introducing educators to immersive technology for the classroom. Jamie is the founder of ARVR in EDU, an online resource where she shares project ideas and information about augmented, virtual, and mixed reality applications for teaching. Among the apps she shares are one that brings historical figures from the Battle of Gettysburg into a room, as well as one that visualizes the beats in music through an augmented reality scene. Jamie is the author of the books Learning Transported and The Immersive Classroom, and she also does virtual training sessions. Currently, she is sharing her expertise in some completely free micro-credentialing programs on both virtual and augmented reality. Jamie, before we get started talking about AR, VR in EDU and the uses of immersive technology in the classroom, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your creative journey. At the beginning of your book, you describe a student who really didn't like to read. How do you go from there to being an ed tech consultant, a teacher, an author, and a speaker? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think, you know, as a student, I didn't really have somebody telling me that this is something I need to have. I need to read all the time. I need to be invested into my education. That wasn't really an emphasis for me growing up. So I got by. I did what was bare minimum. And I don't know how I did it. I think, you know, there's some smarts behind it, maybe, and how I always bypassed book reports or sometimes decided, wait out, you know, can I still pass and not complete this assignment? And, and oftentimes that was the case, you know, there was other things that I was good at, or I enjoyed and made up for those deficiencies, if you will. But I did, I really didn't read a book from front to end until I was a senior in high school. And it was because my English teacher at the time required a silent reading time in class at the beginning of every class. And I hated it. I thought, why are you torturing us? And he really emphasized getting a book that you enjoy reading, that it not be something that was a required reading. So at first I really kind of pushed against it and was super bored. And then I would start reading and got into, I don't know, a, you know, teeny bopper (laughs) book or something, you know, and, and it was just like, I looked forward to those days and I couldn't believe how much it changed my mindset by having somebody just require that time and really how I had never had that required time in all of my educational journey that that was never required of me. So I never found a passion and I can't say that I'm an avid reader. If anything, I read online, but it is one of those things that I think changed my perspective. And it also is probably one of the reasons why I went into education is because I believe there's a lot of other people like me out there in our school systems that are easy to miss. And we're not spotting the opportunities for them to flourish or 
They're not an easy target because they're not failing or they're not on the GT side. So you have this huge range of, you know, where the emphasis is. And I was definitely a bubble kid, as we call them, just really in there, not identified. And, and I think to some extent, you know, now as a, when I went into education, when I was teaching students in the classroom, that was definitely, I was relating to those kids that just didn't have maybe the same kind of support, educational support or persistence to tell people what they can do and where they can go in their life. In fact, you became a teacher and taught a subject that I dreaded in school, math. I was taught to hate math. I'm actually halfway adequate at it, which is what is mind-blowing. How did AR, XR, what you call MR in your book, and VR first come on your radar as ways to captivate the student's attention? Yeah, I've always had an interest in technology. So I think that was something that I always included in my instruction, something I enjoy doing and the kids enjoy doing. And it was just one of those things that just captured their attention. So initially, technology and just in general was something I really enjoyed bringing into the classroom. And then later, my role changed from a teacher to a instructional technology specialist in my school district. So I was really working with teachers in all subject, all grade levels, and how they can incorporate technology into their classroom and into the curriculum. And it was then that I was exposed to an augmented reality experience. And I thought, this changes everything. I just was like, I can't believe this exists. This needs to be in a classroom. And literally the next day, I'm meeting with teachers and showing them an AR app at the time and saying, this could be in any subject. This could be applied for any type of content. Your students could be creators of this content. It was just like, that day, that next day, I'm ready to start bringing it out there. And people did. They included it. They enjoyed it. And it was just kind of the start. You know, at first it was that one app. And then I was like, well, are there others? And then all of a sudden, you know, this wide door open of AR and really got into augmented reality, really passionate about what's out there, how to share what's out there. But then virtual reality started coming into place a little bit later. And I always saw the two. In unison, I always said, you know, these two, while they're different, they really essentially are doing, which is why we call it XR or immersive technology today, but they are doing kind of a game changer technology that in essence changes this experience for our students to learn in a different way. A lot of our longtime listeners will know what we're talking about when we say augmented, virtual, and mixed reality, but there might be someone there saying whatever are they talking about? How would you quickly define these three terms? Yeah. So augmented reality very quickly is seeing the real world, seeing through a lens, whether it be through your camera or glasses or a tablet, you are seeing an experience happening in your real world. So I still see the floor. I still see the wall in the space that I'm at, but now there's a layer of an additional augmented reality item. It could be a tiger. It could be the globe. It could be a lot of different things. And, you know, augmented reality has increased in functionality in our real world today. So it's now, you know, identifying the space that it's in, how to interact with tables, jumping off the table down to the floor, if you will. So the technology has improved and become more realistic, but it is like magic. You know, you're seeing something appear in your space that wasn't there before, giving you this illusion. Now, virtual reality, on the other hand, is a complete transformation of where you're at. You're no longer engaged in the space that you're at. 
But instead, you're beginning to see this new location, these new experiences that are all around you from up above you, down below, behind, all the way around. So that 360 experience, whether it be a photo, whether it be a video, whether it be a platform that you're walking around and engaged in, all of the above, that VR experience essentially transports you to a new place. And the MR or XR? Yeah, you know, XR is looking at all of these. So it's saying, you know, this augmented virtual reality experiences, we're going to put it under the umbrella of XR. So when I mention oftentimes immersive technology, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about using various, sometimes augmented, sometimes virtual, but these immersive experiences that we're giving to our students and those really being one or the other or both. So that's what XR would represent, immersive technology would represent. Now, in my first book, I mentioned MR too, which is really what I mentioned with augmented reality, this transition to a higher usage of technology opportunities in our devices, a higher level of technology that is no longer just something floating in our space, but something that's actually engaging with us, even using some of the technology like identifying when people are standing there and and things can go now in front of you or behind you and that individual is standing in the space or even using your hand for gesture controls, things like that in our space that I think is moving augmented reality to a more functional experience and the information being easily available and engaging and interactive in a way that is normal, like gesture controls with our hands. It really does seem magical in a lot of ways. Would you tell me the story of creating AR, VR, and EDU? Sure. So it started off as a Twitter chat. And actually, let me backtrack. It actually started off as a Voxer group. So Voxer is kind of like a walkie-talkie app that people have started. You see kind of the similar concepts that you find now in Twitter where you have conversations happening, just audio conversations. And that was that is Voxer. Um, and it is more of a conversational app. You're not necessarily using video. You can let upload video, but that's rare. You're not really using photos. It's more of just having a conversation at your convenience back and forth with others. So I'd started a group on AR and VR in education, then later transitioned into a weekly Twitter chat, which lasted five years and was a way for me to kind of do these mini PD sessions. So these little professional development sessions on different resources that are coming out that are new concepts that are happening in immersive technology and just giving educators kind of insight into what's happening. And so I've gotten, you know, I do the research, bring it back into a Twitter chat, and then we would just for 30 minutes, just talk through it and they would play Oftentimes they'd be gone because they're out there engaging with the activity, which is the best. But, you know, then, of course, my site came not too long after starting the Twitter chat. And it was just a way for me to collect all of that information that I'm out there sharing at conferences and, and having conversations with people about and researching about and trying to compile it all into one place. So I have different events in March and in December, and then throughout the year, just posting things that are happening in current for educators to be aware of. In fact, looking at that site, I really fell in love with your advent calendar in AR and VR. What was that experience like for you for creating that? Yeah. So it's funny because March was, it's an interesting time for education because we're not 
going and doing a lot because that's testing season. So this is typically our standardized test. That's not a time you want to go to districts. It's not a time you typically have conferences. It really is a time for me to kind of sit back. And I said, I need to take this time and create content. You know, this is, I need to put out content so that people have it available. It's a quiet season for me. So March became my 31 days of AR, VR, and EDU every day, a blog about a different product, what's been updated, new things coming out, concepts happening. December, on the other hand, is more thematic. So my first year is more about you know, about holiday season, celebrations and things of that sort that I had that first December. This past December was about the merge cube, which is typically a request that I get a lot from educators saying, I have this merge cube. How do I use it? I don't know what to do. And so every day I gave them ways of using and putting their merge cube into use in the classroom and various ways that they can put that into practice in their curriculum. And then this next December, actually, my theme is going to be STEM. And with that STEM theme, it will be available for educators to apply immersive technology into their curriculum and how they can bring that back to their students and make it work for their students in their curriculum. Let's look at some of the ways that educators can apply science, technology, engineering, art, and math through AR first, and then possibly VR if you have the time for it. Say somebody is just starting and they don't know where in the world to get started with this. What are some resources? What are some easy projects? Yeah, that's a really loaded question. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. I feel like oftentimes when it comes to tools like immersive tech, We start with the technology first, and then we make it fit for what our needs are. But I think that is actually, it creates more problems than help and the support that the technology could really be used for in the classroom. And it it starts with one that we need to have a goal in mind, and we need to identify why we're using this technology. Because sometimes I get questions saying, okay, we're ready to buy this VR headset. Why? Well, because it's VR, we want to bring it into the classroom. What is your goal? What do you want? Well, let me go back and think about that. So in conversations, as I continue to have these conversations with administrators, educators in the field, that is rarely a thought. It's usually an afterthought. And I really try to encourage people, one, before they get started with any technology, really, is that they identify why they need that technology. What is their ultimate goal? And I always recommend starting with where your students are struggling. And that looks different for everybody. So if you are in a classroom situation and your students are struggling to understand, in my case, I taught math. So my students are really having a hard time understanding 3D objects and deciphering between the different formulas to find surface area, let's say. And I'm now trying to identify what resources I have. Typically, I'd, you know, I would get out Ida 3D objects. I'd bring them out into the real world. Let's go in and let's check this out. Well, we have the technology now where we can literally scan objects and then it will map out and identify not just lengths, but area. And it will give us even volume. So when we're talking about these things and then being able to see these things in their real space, in their real world, and all of that information then being easily available to them to connect those dots, that is where I want my students to be. I don't want to go and cover something that all of them are getting. You know, don't keep on showing the same thing because there's so many resources about it out there. 
really target and hone in on where your students are struggling. And that really is going to give you the biggest bang for your buck when it comes to using immersive technology. That really struck me about your book was where you were more or less saying, customize, customize. This cannot be a one size fits all. What are some of the resources that you especially like for helping students who perhaps don't like reading or writing as you did not, or maybe don't care much for science? Yeah, you know, reading for me, I was always terrified of reading out loud in class. There is an app out there called Wonderscope, which was fantastic. It basically takes an augmented reality story, places it into your space, and you are the center of the story. And the story only progresses if you are reading the prompts at the bottom that tell you how to ask those questions, how to include your voice into the story. And without reading it, the story just kind of stays stagnant. But every student wants to read it because they want to see what happens next and what happens to the rabbit as it runs off. And, oh, now I need to put together the plane pieces that are all apart in different places. Or what is that person going to do in their future? What career are they going to? All these different stories in Wonderscope are all very, very different. They all target different things. But I think what they've done incredibly well is they've made a really fun interactive story that has placed that student as the center. And they've encouraged those reluctant readers like me to want to read that story and progress the story along. What a lot of fun. All of this sounds like I see a real wow factor in just about everything. What if you have a reluctant student who's in science, for example, or writing? Yeah, science is probably the one subject that you're going to find the most resources. I found that science is pretty easy to visualize. So a lot of the immersive technology tools out there, science is their number one subject, you know, so it's easy to show the world. It's easy to show those difficult concepts of like cells or looking at anatomy or, you know, even doing dissections and things of that sort. So you see a lot of that already taking place in the augmented and virtual reality space. So them engaged in the science concept, I think is so easy. There's so much out there for you to get your students actively involved. One of my favorite for science, depending on grade level, but for those early learners through, I want to say eighth grade is probably using that merge cube. It's super easy to use so that, you know, the implementation of using a tool like this has a low learning curve. And I think that is really important when we're talking about the masses using immersive technology. If they have a huge learning curve, then that's probably not a tool that everybody's going to begin implementing right away. So Merge has done a fantastic job at creating an incredible product. But then in addition to that, making sure anybody, students, adults, teachers, administrators, everybody can jump right into their content and begin using it. And it has some really good resources, like it has immersive reader built in. So it has all the different languages. It has all the different font types and color backgrounds and font colors. So you have all of these things that really help emphasize the information being available for all students. But then they have the backup of that augmented reality experience that you are literally bringing into your room with you. You're able to walk around. You're able to even hold it in your hand, which actually the information is retained differently than just seeing something virtually. I think when you actually are holding something in your hand and seeing it there, which you are, you're holding the merge cube in your hand and that experience is inside that merge cube through augmented reality. I think that brings a whole new level of learning for our students. So there are, you know, assessment pieces and the activities that they have to engage the students. 
all the way around, they've done an excellent job at bringing those science concepts to all of our learners that really, I have yet to find somebody that doesn't get excited about that technology. And in fact, I think I saw that, didn't I, on ARVR and EDU? Isn't that the one with the butterfly and showing a caterpillar and the cocoon and all of that? Right. Absolutely. We've been talking about applications for consuming, but what if you want your students to create something in AR or VR? What's available? Yeah, that's a great point. What you just mentioned about the butterfly and the life cycle of the butterfly, that was using an app with Merge called Object Viewer, where they have a bunch of different 3D content that is already built in collections. You can take those collections and you can stamp each of those objects into your space. And then you can do a recording of describing what's happening inside of the scene that you are building using augmented reality. But in addition to that, now, you know, Object Viewer was actually known for building your own 3D objects and uploading it in Object Viewer. And that, I think, gives us a whole nether level, you know, having the students take these concepts designing them maybe in Tinkercad, and then loading your concepts into Object Viewer, and then being able to stamp those items or hold them in your hand and see what you have built and designed now come alive in your space. Even before maybe you 3D print it, you're actually able to visually see those things in your space. In addition to that, Object Viewer allows you to give details and have labels on those objects. So I 3D scanned my dog, my Pomeranian dog, using a really cool technology called LiDAR technology on my cell phone. And I scanned my dog, I uploaded my 3D object of my Pomeranian dog, and then I added labels about my dog and about her breed and the coloring that she is and and why we named her Honey. And so all of these things I had created, held in my hand, and actually added labels, which students can do too. And so to take this from me just consuming content and seeing these 3D objects to now being the designer of that content and then actually experiencing that in my space. I mean, we're certainly in an incredible time to do that today. We certainly are. It strikes me that even young kids could, that could give new meaning to show and tell. This is my dog. This is my cat. This is my whatever. That would be really fun. Haven't said much yet about virtual reality. Are there some applications that you especially like, especially for anybody who's new at doing this on teaching in virtual reality? Yeah, you know, I I really feel like there is a wave of VR that is not necessarily about wearing a headset that is extremely applicable for our classrooms. And I think that's going to be on the WebXR side of it. So when we're talking about using virtual reality experiences through our browsers, So that could be through our tablet, that could be through our phone, that could be through our computers or even Chromebooks, where we can see this 360 scene by clicking and dragging or lifting up our device and looking around. I think that there is, again, going back to the implementation aspect of it, a very easy learning curve there. So somebody can immediately begin using it. So when we're talking about having these meetup spaces and these virtual reality scenes, we certainly have an opportunity to do that today. Those are coming out like crazy. They're all being called metaverse, which is actually inaccurate. Um, Metaverse is not going to be just one company owning it, but instead it will be like immersive experiences all connected like the internet. So we're not there yet but we are seeing the groundwork of what that metaverse is going to look like. So getting in these virtual reality spaces, sometimes 
best experience in headsets. But I think when it comes to classroom experiences, it brings up a lot of problems in implementing something like that, you know, space, cost, tech support, credentials, having to use certain credentials to be able to get our students in, monitoring. So the management aspect of all that, even getting sick or, you know, falling over. There's so many, or even the safety factor of having things around your ears, nose, eyes, mouth, hair, hands, all of those factors that really we don't think about. It's an afterthought, unfortunately. All those factors add more complications to bring this kind of technology in. But we do have the tools today already in our classroom to use a lot of these immersive experiences in virtual reality. It may not be as immersive. It may not feel as realistic because we're looking on a screen or looking through our device but it still gives us some incredible opportunities of exploring and engaging through VR. I love web-based because there's also the consideration of how long is safe for kids whose brains are still developing. And I really don't know the answer to that one. None of us do because it's not really being researched, right? So I think that's a huge factor and something that I take very seriously as I'm recommending to schools because I love immersive technology, but we have all got to look at this in the long term and how this affects our students. And many of these things have not been researched. So never jump in head first with none of those considerations. That's absolutely always the first thing we need to think about. When we talk about emerging technologies, in your book, you mentioned trying out some new ones with your nephews. What are some new ones recently you've tried out with them that you cannot wait to show the classrooms? Oh boy, I've really been in, I want to say LIDAR and photogrammetry have been some of my favorite technologies recently. I just came back from ISTE. I don't know if you've ever been to ISTE. It's an international conference. Yep. That was in New Orleans. And one of the fun things that I was sharing with people is how to use those devices to be able to scan and create 3D objects. Because when we're talking about AR and VR, we have to have the 3D objects to create these spaces, to create the experiences. And without 3D objects, you can't build or experience anything. So I think having the foundational skills of actually designing 3D content or scanning our 3D content, those are some of the foundational skills we need to have for our students. So LiDAR technology is on select Apple devices right now. The technology that is typically being used is something that is extremely costly. So those devices that are doing LiDAR scanning is using light detecting and mapping out items and distances and textures of those items. And those items are 30000 plus dollars. So when we're talking about classroom use, having tools like on the iPad Pro, that can now do the LIDAR scanning. I think that we have a lot of great opportunity there. But photogrammetry is starting to pick up. Similar to the concept of LIDAR technology, it actually uses photos. And you take a minimum, let's say, of 30 different photos. More is better. And then what the technology does is it actually designs the 3D object based upon the photos that were taken around an object. The better the photo the less reflective or the more solid the items are, the better experience that is the result. But photogrammetry is really picking up and it is available on many of the older devices too. So I think that technology right now is really exciting. I hope more classrooms begin to use that because those are the things that they're going to need to be able to create and design their own immersive experiences. Let's do a total shameless plug. You teach a great micro-credentialing course. You've got two books and your website, where can people find out about all of these? Yeah, I mean, most of the, 
everything is found on my website. I go and do a lot of trainings. I go to conferences. I'll do, you know, these boot camp experiences for school districts to kind of train the trainer type model. And there's never a time that I can cover as much as I have on my website. So through my blog, I have over 200 blogs on all of these different resources. You can go through and you can organize exactly what you're looking for. You can do a search for items that you're looking for. There's just no way I can ever capture that. Even on my books, I want to say there's a lot of content out there, but when it comes to staying current and active, I want to say the website is probably the best resource, but I will say I have done the micro-credentials with the Verizon Innovative Learning HQ portal, and that is completely free. And everything that they have beyond my stuff is all 100% free. So schools have a chance to go in and get on the cusp of what's coming out in AR and VR. These developers haven't even released some of their products, but they're in the Verizon Innovative Learning HQ portal. So I'm really excited, plus the micro-credential to be able to go through that program with Digital Promise through that same platform and be able to come out with creating content, augmented virtual reality, and go through the whole process of those courses, both AR and VR. I mean, I've never been able to offer anything like that for free. And the fact that it's all housed there for free for anybody to use is incredible. Here's where you can access that free training. Verizon Innovative Learning is verizon.com slash learning is where you can go and find where the Verizon Innovative Learning HQ is located. You would go in and there are courses in there. There's apps in there for you to go and use. It gives you exact detail on how to use these different resources for AR and VR for teachers and for students. And it also gives you the micro-credential option to go back and, again, for free, go through these courses and then have the credential at the end to be able to bring back to your district or wherever you go with that. So yeah, verizon.com slash learning is where you can go and sign up and there's incredible learning opportunities there. Verizon.com slash learning. And meanwhile, arvrnedu.com for your blog, your books and presentations. Jamie offered some advice for anyone who'd like to keep learning. I feel like there's a lot of resources out there. I would say connect with people. The community is incredible. So using that hashtag on pretty much any social channel, A-R-V-R-I-N-E-D-U, I think all of it is going to connect you to an amazing supportive community. And I'm proud to be a part of that community with them. What's been one of your absolute favorite success stories with immersive technology in the classroom? You may have read the story about my daughter that I got a chance to see her firsthand use a technology and meet her. She has dyslexia. It was something that I've had a struggle for understanding how to support her when she was doing spelling words in first grade, second grade, she was really struggling. And of course, there's a major emphasis at that age to be able to get your spelling correctly. And, you know, children are, whether they get it or they can memorize very easily for her, it was always a struggle. And I did everything I was taught to do, right? You write it down 10 times, you say it out loud 10 times. And I would say, why are you looking away? You know, what is going on? Why aren't you paying attention? And I interpreted her struggle with boredom and frustration. And I didn't know how to help support her, but something, a tool had crossed my mind that I really discounted initially. I thought, wow, you know, a hangman and augmented reality. We really need that in life. But I gave her the app, I typed in her spelling word, 
And she ended up playing a game where the letters separate into your space and augmented reality to the word. And you have to go with your device and capture each letter and draw it down into the spots below in the right position in order to accurately spell the word. And so she played for a long time. I sat there thinking this was the worst idea ever. You know, why did I do this? This is torture for me to watch this process right now. She'd walk up to the letter and walk around and check it out and then grab it and put it in the wrong spot and then have to move it. And I I mean, the whole time I'm thinking this is awful. Finally, she finished at the end of the app, it celebrates and you have confetti going everywhere and they're clapping and cheering. And I said, okay, great. So how do you spell that word? And she told me, I go, huh, okay. Now or later, how do you spell that word? And she told me again. And then the next day on the way to school, she was able to share with me again, the spelling. And I had to sit back and go, what just happened? You know, how did this happen? And really kind of process why a tool like Catchy Words AR was hitting the mark for her as a learner. And what it did is it gave us a learning opportunity in the spatial realm, right? So she is walking around her space. She is seeing these letters in three dimension as opposed to flat 2D. She was able to physically get up and move those items physically in her space. So all of those things, I think, all are really great things. But one thing that that somebody shared with me is that oftentimes our students that have dyslexia, they're they're seeing things from a three-dimensional scene. They're not looking at those letters flat like we are. Therefore, they can manipulate that from different angles. They're seeing those letters from different angles. So when they're writing it backwards, we're saying, oh, there's something wrong with you. When really, it's something that she is actually seeing in this 3D space, if you will, of seeing this letter and being able to manipulate it in that way. And when somebody shared that, I thought, my daughter is brilliant. You know, I had no idea. But that was, I think, a help to me as a parent. And as, you know, an educator and it helped my daughter for her to recognize where her strengths are and where she can be successful. But in that whole story, I think what I love about it is I got to see firsthand how this technology really moved from this is fun, this is enjoyable, and this is, you know, going to capture their attention to this is really needed for my daughter. And she needed to have an experience like this to really understand that material in the way she needed. So it's one example of many. There's so many out there that not just in my life, but in other educators' lives and other parent lives that have been able to see this technology hit home for their child. And I think we need to be thinking more along the lines of how to make this work for each individual, rather than making it a general application for all. And in fact, I didn't know that about dyslexia, seeing letters in 3D until you told me that. My best friend when I was a teenager was dyslexic and the one size fits all of school just did not serve her at all. Yeah. My best friend has dyslexia too. She's been a wonderful guide in helping me understand how to support my daughter. And again, she is a doctor now and she is an example of the fact of that brilliance of being able to look at that information flexibly And it made me realize how important it is for us to recognize that that the way that my daughter's brain works, the way that my best friend's brain works, that those are things that we should actually look at positively instead of asking them to adapt to the way that my brain works too. So it was a really, really cool experience. It certainly sounds like it. And for the record, I will never beat my best friend at chess ever. 
if people can only get one thing from you as an educator, tech consultant, mom, and author about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you really like them to take away from you? I think being open, being open to new things, being ready to do and try things that are best for our students, even if it's not best and enjoyable for us, recognizing that this technology is a future for our kids, the skills that are going to be required of them. I think being open and willing to listen and hear and understand and ultimately go on this journey with them, that you don't need to know everything that it's okay to not know everything, but be on that journey with that child and help them take this technology to new heights, but also being very aware of the risks involved and understanding what your goals are in the process. I think all of those pieces are really important. So immersive technology, as much as it offers the wow, it needs to be more than that because otherwise it's not sustainable and it's something that will fizzle out, but it really has the capabilities of transforming what our classrooms could look like in the future. Amy, thank you for your time today. Yes, thank you. You and I have been listening to Jamie Donnelly, author, speaker, ed tech consultant, and founder of ARVR in EDU. Get a look at her blog posts on educator resources in augmented, virtual, and mixed reality at arvrinedu.com. You're going to find all kinds of cool projects, as well as information on her training sessions and her books. Once again, that is arvrinedu.com. Also, check out that micro-credentialing training she mentioned in Augmented and Virtual Reality. The programs, once again, are completely free at verizon.com learning. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.